0: Love and Caregiving, Session 4, presented by Carol Gill and Joyce Williams from our 2019 SCI Conference Connections, Sexuality and Relationships After Spinal Cord Injury. Let's listen in.
1: I'm so glad to be joined this afternoon by Dr. Carol Gibson Gill, who is Chief of the Spinal Cord Injury and Disorders Service at the uh, VA it, Hospital in East Orange, New Jersey, so that's the VA New Jersey Healthcare System, and also by Joyce Williams, who is the Spinal Cord Injury and Disorders Program Coordinator for the VA New Jersey Healthcare System. And together, Dr. Gill, Ms. Williams, and their teams have really done a wonderful job of developing services targeted to the caregivers of people with spinal cord injury, and really trying to support them and in, in integrating caregiver support as an integral part of all the services that are offered to those they serve. And so over many years, people have come to them to learn more about what they have done at their center. So they're training other centers in how to provide these supports. And we'll share today some of the observations they've made over the years as they've worked with couples who are working through the adjustment to spinal cord injury and strategies that they've identified over time as being helpful in being able to balance the the challenging dual roles of being a romantic partner and also a caregiver. So with that, please welcome Dr. Gill and Ms. Williams. Thank
2: you. Okay, good afternoon. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Zanka, for just setting this up and allowing us to come and share. This is such a lovely thing to do, it's so needed, and we are so very appreciative of being a part of it. It's so great. So, um, Joyce and I are going to just share some things like Jane has said, um, things, lessons that we've learned from our patients and the caregivers and um, from the literature as well. Is it working? there you go. So um, what are we going to talk about? Uh, I just have three of the topics we're going to just address um, based on the challenge that Dr. Zanka had put before us. We're going to talk about, you know, um, just why is this topic important? Love and caregiving. And I love that. It just warmed my heart, love and caregiving. Um, And it was interesting that she put it together because. Over the years, we've seen people see it as two separate things or a relationship that seems to be obligatory. And the fact that she talked about why this being love, love, and caregiving together, I thought it was fascinating. So we're going to share information that we got from our subject matter experts, who are the patients and their caregivers. And we're going to... um, Talk about we're going to hear some of the voices. We're going to let you guys hear some of the things that they've taught us, as well as some things we've gotten from the literature. So, again, about the background, the literature speaks strongly about the role of caregivers, and we all know, we all in this field, we all have read about it. But a lot of articles that talk about the importance of caregivers and how they are very, very vital. And we're talking about non skilled caregivers, family caregivers. That's what we're talking about here. The literature speaks about the um, vital role that family caregivers play in keeping patients in the community in a healthy way, a healthy environment. Um, Studies talk about how, you know, family members that do a lot of the caregiving, literature tells us that majority of the time it is the spouse or the significant other. Um, You know, we do have some patients where it's the mother with the son or vice versa, the child with the parent. But over 80% of these uh, relationships are really the spouse or the significant other providing most of this care with the, um, with the patient living with spinal cord injury and that tells you why this topic of addressing um, love and caregiving simultaneously is important is very important because there are a lot of issues that can come up and um, we'll, we'll speak to some of those things. So, from some of our experiences um, and from talking to our patients and their caregivers, and some previous work that we've done over the years, there are quite a few things that we learned that we found were very interesting. You know, for example, just the perspective of this whole issue of caregiving. You know, when we first started to focus on caregiver support, healthy caregiving, our patients felt like, well, why is, what's the big deal? Why are you focusing so much on supporting the caregivers, you know? And uh, you have a new patient who's got a new spinal cord injury, and you're asking them who's going to be the person that we're going to be training to help them live well in the community, they'll be like, well, my wife. I mean, who else? Who else, is, I mean, who else but her? You know, what do you expect? You know, and uh, sometimes the caregivers will say, well, I mean, who else will do? It? It's it got to be me. I'll do it. Or the patient would say, well, my wife, I mean, that's what she's supposed to do, isn't it? So you hear those kinds of things coming up, and we had to say, we said, wait a minute. We need to do some training. We need to do some orientation on what healthy caregiving really is. And it's important for you to understand the caregiver. And that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about. I love this slide where it shows this love is a loving relationship between two people, someone living with spinal cord injury and their caregiver. And it's important that, you know, caregiving is not an entitlement. Just because, you know, you have a wife or a husband who um, is with you or a significant other, doesn't mean that they are entitled to be your non-skilled caregiver. You know, the relationship is there in the duo out of love and out of you know acceptance and admiration and respect for you and respect for the relationship. But the view of this entitlement, this is what she's there, this is what she's supposed to do, is something that we have to really address. Um, you know, even just helping the caregiver himself or herself feeling okay with knowing that, listen, I am this is my husband, this is my wife, and she's now living with spinal cord injury, and I'm here to support her but I need to make sure that I don't feel like I'm doing it out of an obligation, right? That we're here in a relationship and we're working together to, um, to meet our needs, to meet our needs as intimate couples. Um, and so we, we have to look at some of those things. And so it was very interesting where um, we had to help them understand that what you're not saying is that empathy is bad. It's important for you to be empathetic that your loved one now has a spinal cord injury that. He or she is living with and it puts it is it, it changes the way things are, but you gotta really make sure that you're not subdued by guilt. You know, that you're doing things out of the fact that it's a respect for the relationship and we are in this symbiotic relationship together. It's something that's gonna be beneficial for both of us. So as in addressing healthy caregiving, we, we kind of identified um, from talking to the subject matter experts who are these patients and the caregivers, and as well as the literature, because the literature talks about this, but of course, we take the bulk of our work from talking to our patients and the caregivers, and we, it was important for them to understand both parties some of the challenges that can occur that would impede healthy caregiving. And, you know, there's burnout where you're physically exhausted. You know, um, many caregivers have multiple roles. You know, you are the husband and your wife is living with spinal cord injury and you have to go to work and you have to deal with the kids, et cetera, et cetera, or vice versa. So there's the, this issue of multiple roles that the caregivers are playing. We also have the issue of self-sacrifice, where sometimes the caregiver feel like, I have to basically deny myself. I don't have the time to, you know, take care of myself, go to my doctor's appointment or, or go get my nails done or go get my hair done or even just sit outside. because they have this balance they're trying to meet um, that is balancing the issue of this inequality, quote-unquote, that may exist, i.e., this person now has spinal cord injury and everybody is giving him or her the attention, him or he or she, Is demanding, you know, because this is new. This is traumatic for all of us, not just the patient living with spinal cord injury, but the caregiver. So there's this issue of balancing, well, how can I balance um, being there as a loved one while I'm also balancing my feelings of, well, they're taking all the attention, or balancing the need of I'm physically exhausted. So there are those things that we really had to address that come up often with some caregivers, and also from the patients living with spinal cord injury. You know, the issue of isolation comes out, and both parties will feel isolated. I really enjoyed the panel, and I love what they shared, because they were sharing their experiences. And we were sitting there saying, wow, we've heard some of those things before. We've heard it before. And it's great to know that in the veteran population, which is who we serve, and the non-veteran population, you can see that spinal cord injury affects everybody, and it has the impact on everybody in similar similar fashion, yet different, yet individualized. Um, So depression, the studies have shown about increased rate of depression in spouse and significant other caregivers who deliver the caregiving to patients living with spinal cord injury when you compare them to those significant others who do not provide direct caregiving. So clearly we see from our patients and from talking to our, um, and from the literature is that there is this issue that is out there, depression, feeling neglected, feeling isolated, feeling burnout. Um, Those are all things that that are spoken about in the literature and studies talk about it. We also have heard that a sexual relationship can decline or even comes to an abrupt stop where the sexual intimacy also suffers. And there are a lot of issues of the, of the patients feeling like, you know, well, who's going to be attracted to me? Or the caregiver feel like, well, you know, I don't want to hurt him, I don't want to hurt her. If I, if I do the things I used to do, it's going to be traumatic. It's going to impact the skin. I don't want him to get a pressure injury. Um, you know, how is this going to work with, um, you know, I don't want him to have bowel accidents. I mean, there are some people who just said when they were rehab, they were told that if you have sexual interaction, you're going to have a bowel accident. So, bam, we're not going to do it. Um, so, you know, kind of weird things. But um, those were some of the issues that, the challenges that you can face. And so we really had to address helping the caregivers understand their role, how you can do this, be a loving caregiver, provide care, as well as helping the patients understand just what healthy caregiving is. So now Joyce is going to go through some of the Um, Strategies and some of the um, um, voices of the patients we've captured for you to share with you. Thank you.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. So, we're going to just discuss in this point some of the strategies and the voices of the people living with spinal cord injury as well as their caregivers. the caregivers have reported that they would like. So as we think about, we just talked a lot about kind of the secondary things that could happen due to caregiving for a very long period of time. So we want to kind of give some ideas of how we can lessen the burden and lessen the impact that caregiving could give so that we could promote the intimacy that was being discussed earlier today. So the caregivers have reported that they would like their loved ones to accept the medical advice of their providers and stay in contact with their team. Um, A lot of times we find, especially new in the injury, a lot of our veterans or um, people that we're caring for, they'll defer things to their spouse. It's almost like they've just relinquished everything and they're saying, you know, the doctor, you know what's right, or they tell their loved one, you speak to my wife. Or, you know, my loved one, they'll handle everything and just do with me as you please. But we find that our caregivers are saying, you know, if our loved ones would take more responsibility in managing their care, that's actually a burden that they could take off their shoulder because at this point, they understand that they're following the recommendations. They don't have to take the responsibility of doing the physical care as well as the mental work that's needed, you know, so that's one thing that we learned from our caregivers. They also found that um, hiring outside agencies or paying privately to assist with caregiving responsibilities was um, very helpful, and we know that's not always possible based on how expensive this injury could be, but, you know, there's some things where it might be actually worth the cost to do to alleviate some of the things that your spouse is doing. We've, um, I've spoken to our veterans at the VA. We are able to provide uh, some services, at least the skilled care. And when I've spoken to some of my vets about, you know, accepting visiting nurse services to maybe do their bowel care, they're like, my wife loves doing it. Why would I get a nurse to do it? So then I'll speak to the wife. And I'm like, so your husband says you like to the bowel care. She's like, he said that? Okay, but, you know, and really it could just be that he doesn't want, he's smiling there, right? But um, so as I lead my support groups, I hear the wives on the other end like, I have to do this, I have to do that. And I understand that for our vets and for the people that we provide care for, sometimes just being exposed in that way is too much for them. They don't want to have another person in the home. And so they would prefer for their wife, who they're intimate with, to perform those tasks. Um, And we've also met caregivers who are like, you know what? Living my life around a skilled caregiver coming in is too much of a task for me. I prefer to just, you know, live my life the way I need to and I'll do all the care. But we understand when that responsibility is being taken on that there's also repercussions to that as well based on research and what's been reported. So um, navigating the challenges... Um, Dr. Gill talked a little bit, and I I think we heard a little bit about it even with the panels earlier, about some of the myths and um, the self-esteem issues with kind of feeling I'm not desirable, who would be interested in me. and the physical impact that it actually takes to be intimate, right? Because you may not have a, care, uh, a private paid provider there to assist with positioning. And the amount of emotional work and physical work it will take, it's just too taxing to even consider being intimate and, and going through all of that work. So those are some of the challenges that our family members are dealing with, with trying to become intimate and have love and caregiving. Um, And so it takes a lot of flexibility. It's a lot of prep work. And I think when we talk about all the prep work and the flexibility, um, and if we're thinking about the dual roles of caregivers, of being a caregiver full time or even part time working, and then the other responsibility is all the prep work to make this happen as well. It's just too much. So that's why we really wanted to bring to light the importance of understanding the caregiver and what it means to be a healthy caregiver and as the care recipient, okay, if this is gonna take so much prep work to make happen, how can I minimize some of that so that actual—that we can actual actualize this? So here are some of the strategies that we've learned and I'm just going to kind of go through them because really we worked with our caregivers in a special caregivers program we had and we we actually had taken notes and we've done support groups with our vets to kind of gain um, the information directly from them so some of the strategies is encourage your loved one to take time for themselves at least once a week Um, so those who are receiving care Um, We've even had, where we've had caregiver programs where, you know, the wife feels guilty for coming in or taking the time off because, you know, then that means they're neglecting their loved one. So we would encourage you to allow and, and encourage them to take time. Say, you know what, it's okay. I know you need this. Go get your nails done. Go have lunch with your sister. Go and take that time. You know, let's hire someone to come in if there's no one else that you could rely on. Schedule a date night regularly. Do the chores or the tasks when you know um, when you, know you can take care of yourself. So for some of the people who are with higher injuries, that might be difficult. But we can make phone calls. We can make our doctor's appointments. We can call in the prescription technology has really assisted, you know, with um, drink aids and things like that. Does your caregiver need to bring you the drink every two hours or could you you know, inquire about different assistive devices to minimize that burden, environmental control units. You know, when I've gone in the homes and met with some patients, they don't have it. So the wife has to change the remote control and change the channels and make everything. Find different ways that you can um, take care of some task on your own. Understand and encourage vacation time and alone time for your caregiver. Encourage your caregiver with words of love and appreciation. Your caregiver supports you physically, so support them emotionally. And uh, promote attractiveness, hygiene, and appearance. Um, You know, sometimes it's just too much work to get that bed bath. And then, you know, you want to kind of get intimate. But be aware of those things. Don't let go of your hygiene or the way you used to look prior to the injury because of the injury. So all of these things would be strategies to assist, and these are really words just directly from our population that we serve. Um, You know, with speaking to a vet who was 80 years old, um, married for 57 years, and injured for 52 years. Um, Him and his wife, he was injured at the age of 38. Um, Him and his wife in a joint session, they shared that sleeping in bed together it's the best place to cuddle. And sleeping together, we touch, we laugh together. Through the years, it just comes. Um, for, you know, like I said, Dr. Gill says, we, we get all tingled up because for 57 years, they never separated a bed. Um, they, they ordered the oversized mattress, they got the specialized equipment, even if it wasn't provided for through insurance or through the VA, so that they could maintain that intimacy. That's not always possible, but if it's possible, you know, just because you have this injury and the doctor recommends a particular mattress, of course, with advice and with guidance, is something to really consider. Always say thank you when my wife cooks. Um, His hands and brains still work. Um, Sometimes I have to speak to the vets that I work with to say, you know, luckily your brain still works. So you can assist with making medical decisions, and we remind the caregivers as well to take that burden off of them. Um, must have trust in each other or it's not going to work or it's not going to last. One of my vets said, you know, if every time she went to the supermarket I was feeling insecure, our marriage would have fallen apart many years ago. So having trust. Um, You don't want to be his mother. Whatever you can afford to pay, then help, then do it. This was from a 74-year-old vet's wife who's been married for 40 years, and he's been injured for 20 years of their marriage. Caregivers, and she also said, caregivers could be instrumental, but can also be the downfall. If they are too controlling, you don't wanna smother him. I didn't want to be his mother. I already had two kids, and my kids look up to him. Get out of the house every day. This will boost his confidence. You can't be on top of each other. Try to go back to normal. Um, and even if it's not going back to work, like this particular vet was able to do, but she said, you know, in our basement we had a workshop, you know, me just kind of ident- getting your own identity outside of caregiving, um, she, f- she felt would help improve the self-confidence. Um, and I have another vet who was 47 and injured for, tw- um, for 25 years and married for eight He said the person who is being cared for should be very grateful. If your spouse isn't there and your nurse isn't there, then where are you? Your spouse shouldn't become your caregiver. And I know we're talking about your spouse as a caregiver, but he's saying your spouse shouldn't become your caregiver. This is your wife. I already know that. So I'm diligent with my hired caregivers. When they can't come to provide my care, I feel bad. Now my wife has to provide my care, so I try to make it fun. It helps me, and I hope it helps her. Okay. So interact with him and her as you did before the injury. Be honest and express your personal needs and personal interests to your caregiver so that they can understand what you are thinking or feeling. That, this is truly important when it comes to your desire for intimacy with someone and your caregiver may not realize that this is part of your life as it is important to you, even after your injury or disorder. I remember meeting with um, one of our vets for the first time, and in doing my psychosocial assessment, I discussed with him who was providing all of his needs. His wife was a skilled nurse prior to his injury, and I talked to him about intimacy, and she was there, and I spoke to her privately, and I said, you know, if you're providing all of the care, how could you be intimate? She was like, he wants to be intimate? And then she smiled and she blushed. And she was so thankful because that was not a conversation that he was comfortable having with her. I brought it up and she was just like, really? Okay, then let's try to figure out how we can make this happen. So even as providers, and I know that we're all here, it's it's a discussion to have even with your caregiver separately and with the person that you're caring for, the, the person with spinal cord injury. because. They're so busy thinking about all the complications and just trying to stay alive that this part they feel is, you know, hidden and not to be talked about. And so that gave them permission to discuss that in their marriage. Positively contribute to family any way you can to help decrease the workload for your caregivers. Um, and one of our vets said, be intentional try to be more outgoing, plan date nights, movies to create an intimate setting. So he's saying because he knows that his wife does a lot of the caregiving, he's, it's always at his forefront. How can I make this more like a dating relationship, continue to be intimate? So he's intentional in doing it, not just allowing her to do all the, the, the work. So this is just kind of a final note from one of our caregivers. Um, that I just wanted to read um, to everyone, um, which is her words of wisdom. Oh boy, I totally messed it up, but I have the letter here, so I'll read it from here. Dear caregiver, you're about to embark on a wonderful and tiring journey. Being a caregiver can be rewarding, frustrating, and just about the hardest thing a person can do. It's also something I would choose to do again, I cared for several people and veterans over 18 years. The one thing I learned through it all is that you must take time for yourself. I learned that lesson the hard way. I wore myself down and was not able to take care for my loved one. I had neglected my own health and well-being because I didn't think I had time for myself. I had to rely on others to fill in for me while I recovered. From that point on, I made, it, I made it a point to take time for myself, whether it was 30 minutes a day or 60 minutes, a few hours a weekend, or go on a respite break one or two times a year. You must take care of yourself, both physically and mentally. You cannot care for your loved one if you're tired, edgy, angry at them for being ill. Taking a mental break to enjoy yourself, to do what you love is important. Your loved one will benefit and you may also enjoy the breakaway. If you're able to take a trip with your loved one, it's great, but bring along someone to help you. That way you can still have a few minutes to yourself. I love being a caregiver. It was hard to give up control to another person to care for your loved one, yet it's necessary. Sometimes to ask for help, the strongest of us even need the, the strongest of us often need help, and having help is a great benefit. Thank you all.
1: For more information about the research of Kessler Foundation,
0: go to www.kesslerfoundation.org.
1: That's www.k-e-s-s-l-e-r-f-o-u-n-d-a-t-i-o-n.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter.